uh, I just want to let you know where we're going. You know, it's one of those things that if you've been at church, like the, the new thing to do in the last 20 years of churches is to do series, right? And I'm not going to lie. Some churches, I'm not sure we've ever done this, but some churches sit back and say, let's do a series that gets a lot of people in the doors. And so they sell you things. And so like I knew a church that did this whole campaign on sex and they sent this like marketing tool out, right? And, and like that month, sure enough, I mean, lots of people showed up, right? But one of the things that we've come to is like, we recognize this, whether a series or not, what we believe God is doing in 2014 is he's taking us somewhere, right? Like we believe that it's not just let's do a series and learn something, let's do a series, let's learn something. But we're doing, like we said to you, our commitment, our commitment to you is to invest into the entire year to lead you somewhere that once you arrive, and really along the way, let's be honest, it will change you forever. So that's the tagline. That's my selling point. That's my advertising degree at work there. I'm, gonna, I'm selling you for the entire year. If you come at the end, your life will be changed. When I mean that, I don't mean for the bad, hopefully, right? Hopefully for the good, but that's the idea. Because what we've been talking about is this. I'm going to kind of let you know. If you haven't been here, I'm going to fill you in the last three weeks. You can go online, listen to the podcast if you want to. But I want to kind of fill you in where we've been going because I think it's important that we have and that you have just a really healthy and clear understanding of the foundation that we're building and ultimately the direction uh, that we're going. Lee, it really bothers me. I can't see your face. I'm not going to lie. So there you go. Sit on top of your – there you go. Thank you. I'll move closer. You move closer. Fantastic. So the uh, so all the, the, the idea is that we have this direction that we're going. So I want to kind of share that with you. Build the foundation for you, and then we're going to launch from there, okay? So what we've been talking about is real simple. Jesus is our Heavenly Father. All of us probably know that. He's a great dad, by the way, if you didn't know that, okay? And, and when he views us, he views us at two places. He sees us now, and if we define our lives right now, like really honest with ourselves and with the Lord, where we are, we say we're pretty broken, pretty messed up, right? Got some issues, okay? Right, a little EGR, extra grace required, what that means, right? A little EGR, okay? And, and I've got these needs going on. But God, at the same time seeing us here, also sees us here. And this is our potential. This is the person he sees us being that no one else can see except for him. And the crazy thing about God is that when he sees this EGR person, right, which we all are, and he sees this person, this defines you in his eyes. This defines you. He sees you here and understands, but this defines you. And so our commitment in 2014 is to lead you to this. And let me tell you something that's pretty profound because we said, and some of you who have never heard this, this may, you may want to stone me, but we said, Jesus' potential defines your potential. Jesus' potential defines your potential. So we, we throw out, let's throw out a Bible character. We threw out the almighty Peter, right? The almighty Saint Peter, right? We've all been to Saint Peter churches, driven by them in our life. He's a, I don't know if you know, but saints are pretty important in the church, right? So you got Saint Peter over here. He's the guy. He's the man. But do you know that in Luke chapter, like Luke chapter one, two, three, four, and five, do you know what he did for a living? He was a simple fisherman. 
He worked the night shift. He was married, and because he worked the night shift, he didn't have any friends except the night shift people. We said his Instagram account had like between five and ten people on it. That was it. Why? Right? Because he didn't know anybody. Everybody was, a, was asleep when he was awakened, vice versa, right? And so we have this whole dynamic going down in the life of Peter that when you think, listen, when you think of someone just living in ordinary, real life, think of Peter. He was a nobody. The only people who liked and loved Peter, he's a strong personality. It's hard to love strong personalities sometimes, right? He's a strong personality. He's over here living his life. No one knows who he is, right? He's just doing his thing. He's just an ordinary fisherman living an ordinary real life. And then something happened, and four years later, his shadow was healing people. That should mess you up. Honestly, like that should make you go, at least go, huh, at least do that. Because something happened, right? In this context of average ordinary, listen, he was poor. He wasn't even rich. He didn't have the, the means to become important. He was poor. How many of you know any really, really rich fishermen? I don't, and I am one. He's living his ordinary real life, and something happened. And four years later, the span of high school, the span of smart people in college at least, right? Four years healing people, proclaiming freedom to captives, preaching to thousands, becoming the foundation, the, the Petra of the church, the rock, the foundation of the church. And the Catholic church will say he was the first pope. And all pope means, y'all, is father. He's the first father other than Jesus of the church. Listen, no matter what you believe, he's a big deal. The only thing that happened in his life that caused this transition from this Watch it. From this to this was the interjection of Jesus into his life. And Jesus looks at him and says, you think you're a fisherman? Watch this. Throw it on the other side. Whatever, show off. Right? (laughs) Throws it on the other side. And all of a sudden, Peter goes, oh, my gosh. I'm a sinner. And Jesus looks says, away from me. And Jesus looks says, no, no, no. He kind of gives him, the, I think, the, that look. You know that look he will give you, like, I know something you don't know. I know this and you, like, I know this about you and you don't. Kind of, why don't you follow me? And I'll make you a fisher of men. And all of a sudden, Peter goes, that's what my heart's been aching for. Oh, my gosh. And he drops everything and follows him. And four years later, People see Peter coming, and they're taking their sick and dragging them into his, into their, into his shadow at the hopes of being healed. Guys, that means ladies and, ladies and gentlemen, by the way, guys, something happened, and all it was was the interjection of Jesus into his life. Jesus' potential, listen, Jesus' potential interjected into Peter's life became Peter's potential. Do you see that? And so in our lives, and we've been talking about that this right here is the real life. This is, in fact, this is the only real life 
Jesus actually believes in for you. Right? He doesn't believe in this, this like, this life down here of brokenness and emptiness and sorrow and woe is me. He's like, no, no, no. I don't believe in that being your destiny because I know my potential. And when it's put into you, then that potential becomes your potential. And so we celebrate this. But the fact is, and I think, listen, I'm in the same page. I'm the same boat as you. And I'm like, listen, I know that None of us feel like we're living here, right? If we're completely honest. And if you say you are, you're probably lying. Let's be honest, okay? Like, listen, there's so much more. There's this potential that defines where we're going, this direction, this clarity. And so he said, what this is then is, is our real life, the extraordinary real life God has for us. And we want to, at least by God's grace, it's at least together take one step this year towards it. And that will be a successful year, won't it? And so we said then, our goal is to lead us then towards this real life, the extraordinary life found once Jesus is interjected into our life. And so we want to live this real life. And we said last week, well, let me say this real quick, the extraordinary real life, let me just make this very clear for some of you who are new, extraordinary real life, it can be grandiose and huge, right? Like shadows healing people, you know, cure and fixing world hunger, right? Clean drink, drinking water, thousands of people saved, thousands of people raised from the dead. That could be your extraordinary, right? Or, everyone hear this, or your extraordinary could simply be, not even simply, could be powerfully and wonderfully reaching your neighbor next door that no one else in the world could reach because you're the only one. You're Obi-Wan Kenobi, the only hope. Seriously. And my point is this, the extraordinary is only defined by Jesus. And if he says the extraordinary work that I want to do in your life is to save these people in your classroom and you to be Jesus to them every day, then if you are obedient, you are equal in God's eyes to the person who cures world hunger. Extraordinary is defined by God and all extraordinary for you is, is obedience to what God has for you. Do you see that? And so we bring down the grandiose to the God realistic to whatever he wants to do. And so we've been talking about then, then what is this extraordinary life? And what is it, what is it, where are we going? And so we define real life last week as this. We'll put it up on the screen so that you can see it. You can take a picture of it so you can remember it. Write it down. Here's the quote. Real life is about being who God created us to be and doing what God calls us to do. Seriously, if you really like taking pictures of things, feel free to be the obnoxious person and put your camera phone up there and take a picture of the screen today, okay? I think this stuff is pretty profound, to be completely honest with you. It's wrecking me as I'm studying it myself. Real life, your real life, is about being who God created you to be and doing what God has called you to do. So last week, we this is on the screen, Hayden, we looked last week, This idea of being and doing, right? This is how we kind of define who we are, all this kind of stuff. And so we said this, this being, this being is that really just, just who you are. So when someone says, so tell me about yourself or tell me what you do or, or tell me like, tell me who you are in life and you start describing yourself, you're describing your being. It's simply who you are. So we said last week in a static, unmoving, just kind of descriptive sense, like you are a, you're a, you're a, you're a, you're a, parent, you're a spouse, 
You're a boss, an employee, right? You're a ping pong player, you're a fisherman, you're a guitar player, right? You're a golfer, whatever it may be, maybe an artist or a writer. Those things are these static descriptions of your being. And all of us, right, are something, right? We're all something. We're all have being. And so in those things, those are great, important things. So we said, in the context of every person's life, there's also these dynamic parts of your being. That when someone else is describing you, they may name the dynamic parts, but, but there's also, excuse me, the, the static parts, but there's also these dynamic pieces. Like, these things that are kind of like these indefinable qualities about you that are just rich, that are powerful, right? Or not so rich and powerful and are bad and are negative. And, and so when they describe these, they say, yes, he's, it's like this usually, and this is what you do. Well, yeah, he's my boss, but. He's like this. And then you describe how mean and how arrogant and how selfish your boss is. That's what you do, right? And what you've just defined are the indefinable qualities, the dynamic parts of him or her. And so each of us are made up of, of, of these dynamic being components. And it's these parts specifically that we believe God wants to shape inside of you, grow and mature inside of you, so that your expression of life is positive and not negative. We talked about Mother Teresa last week, because she's somebody most of us all have heard of and know about, right? In a static sense, we said, Mother Teresa is an Albanian Catholic nun who lived in Calcutta, India, opened up several homes for the dying in, 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 in all across India, right? And she won the Nobel Peace Prize. Those are the static parts of who she is. But I want you to hear this. And I want you to hear this part, because I'm about to bring it home to you in a second. The people who knew and experienced her. Do you hear you see, do you hear that? The people who knew and experienced her. They may have said those things, are, those, those things are true about her, but let me tell you about her and they would have spoken about her humility, her kindness. They would have spoken about her patience and her conviction, her overwhelming compassion and love literally for the dying. I mean, I know, I mean, I've, heard, I just, I've read so many stories that literally people would be, they would go out, they'd take a person who's dying that day, bring them in, and she would just sit at the side of her bed and just rub her, that person's hand for hours until they died. Her entire life. She didn't delegate the job out to somebody. She did it. And so when people who knew and experienced her told her story, let's just be honest. The static was not enough to describe her. The dynamic was the part they couldn't help but talk about a name because it's the part. Those were the parts that summed up who she really was. We read last week from a, a quote from Larry Crabb, and I want to read it to you again because I think it's just, it really paints this picture. It's right here. Take a picture of this one for sure. I didn't come up with a line somebody else did, so take, his, take a picture of this one. It says, Some people pushed me to do better by trying harder. Others draw me to be better by enticing me with an indefinable quality about their lives that seems to grow out of an unusual relationship with Christ. Now, can you guys get a picture of what he's talking about? 
like a person maybe that comes to mind. A lot of us maybe say like a like that one that holy grandma you had. The other one's kind of mean, but that one was really holy and nice. Right? She just portrayed these qualities about her that were that there were these indefinable things about her life that that were just enticing, that you were around her and you just felt nicer. You felt better as a better as a person. And when you were around her, like it just caused something like that didn't normally rise up inside of you to, to rise up to this place, right? This, and you're like, oh, I just want to be, I want to be a better, I want to be, be better, I want to love better, I want to be, I want to be better being kind in all of these pieces, right? And, and, and Larry Kraft's saying, man, this is it. These are these, this is the real life. These are the, this is the being that God wants to develop in you. These indefinable qualities that when people are around you, they go, Oh, Dwayne, what is it uh, about Dwayne that, I don't know. I mean, it's like, he's, he's good looking, I guess, but I mean, let's be honest. He's kind of around him. There's just something that draws me, entices me. I mean, let's be honest. If, if, it's such a way we can use this word that I'm around someone in a holy way. It's intoxicating. And I mean that in a holy way, right? Got some guys like, yeah, I've got a girl in mind, right? No, I'm talking like just the personality that you're around them and you're just like, oh, what is it about them? This is the being. I'm talking about God maturing and growing. So here's what I want you to do. Everybody, everybody had, had, a, had, a, had a card on their chair. If you don't have one, there's certain chairs in front of you or behind you. So grab, grab one of those cards. And here's what I want you to do this morning. This is the interactive part. I'm not going to make you talk. You need to have a pen. If you don't have a pen, send the basket back down because there are some pens in there. Maybe some sitting on chairs. Just look around, okay? So I want you to have this to hold on to. If you don't have a pen, you know, just you can just remember. Like I would like for you to write these down. If you don't, if you can't find a pen, then you can remember them, write them down later. Okay? Yeah. There's some. There's still some. Yeah, right, find a pen. All right. So here's what I want you to do. You can do two things at one time. Multitask here. So I want you to take a couple of minutes. A couple of minutes. And I want you to think about the people who know you and experience you. And I want you to write down what the indefinable qualities are that they think that you think they would use to describe you. Catch it? You get it? Think about the people who know you the most, best. They experience you the most. And if they were writing on this card, what indefinable traits, positive or negative, do you think that they would write down to define you? These are the dynamic pieces, right? You can think, if you need help, think of First uh, Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast. You can think along those lines. Think of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I wrote some other words down on mine that I, that I have right here, okay? I wrote some other words down. So whatever words you think people would use to, to describe you, but think positive and negative, just being real and honest. So go ahead, write down between five and ten things, okay? Write down between five and ten things.
got maybe 30 more seconds. So you're like, man, that's not enough. I got so many great things about myself. Don't cheat off your mama there, Elena. I see you looking, trying to cheat off her. All right. Very good. All right. So if you have feel like three, that's fine. I got I've got eight on my list, right? They're not all positive, don't worry. So like a lot of negative ones on there, credit theorists. But so when I so I want you just to just real quick, I'll take it. Like I've got like SC mine. I got I got I got mine written down here. I got eight of them on here, okay? So let's just take it just take a moment real quick and we'll talk about this again later. Uh, but I just want you to look at these things. And as you gotta go through your list, there were some that maybe were really obvious, right? There were some that you're like, I mean, this is a green in my life, whether it's like as a positive maybe or a or a growth area, whatever. Like it's like obviously I think this is definitely something that they would just they would use to define me. Or maybe there's like a, I would say a yellow light. The yellow light is uh, I think maybe I mean uh, on a good day, good week, whatever it is. And there's the red light. You're like fully honest, like I'm not sure anybody actually sees me this way. But it's definitely something I want to get better at, whatever it may be, right? So we have our red light, our yellow light, and our green light on these things. And the idea is when we're looking at this, it's, 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 it's powerful because we begin to, to really do an inward look of ourselves, right? We're, we're really kind of taking a look at our being. And we're in this place, right, just kind of defining these indefinable qualities. And when we see them, we're seeing, what are we seeing? Hopefully we're seeing this, these positive traits, maybe some negative traits, right? These things that ultimately, ultimately, and here's the good, the key phrase, ultimately they're growth areas, right? Because every green light thing that you're positive in, you can obviously grow in and get better at. And, you know, Steve's pretty patient, but he could grow in his patience, right? Or whatever it may be. We have things that we may be good at, but we're growing into. So everything is, is, gro- is a growth area. And that's an exciting thing because when, when moving forward in the growth of our being, which is what we're talking about, God growing us, shaping our being, who we are, moving us forward, right? The formation, these indefinable qualities, it's important to recognize that, listen, it takes an inward work in our heart to change the outward expression. That's on the screen, Hayden, right there, okay? It says, it takes an inward work in our heart to change the outward expression. That I can make it till I fake it on the outside all day long and never actually be making it, and everyone can, can, can smell the whatever that you're not actually doing, right? They can smell, it's fake, right? The bull honky on you, right? They can smell it, they can see it, because it's just not real. You can fake it for so long, but sooner or later, the real you is going to come out, Right? And so it takes an inward work in our hearts to change the outward expression. That it begins inside and it works its way out. Right? You can, the Pharisees lived all day long with the outside of their cup clean, but were really dirty on the inside, Jesus said. Which meant their outside was not very clean either. 
And so the idea for us is that in this shaping of our being, it begins with an inward work of our hearts that then is expressed in an outward expression, which means what we just did this morning is imperative to your spiritual growth. Well, what did we do this morning? You did an inward look. You stopped in the midst of what you were normally doing, which was getting bored by me talking, and you sat down and you thought through, what are my growth areas? What are the things going on? And you did an inward look, right? You stopped for a second. It's always important to stop before you look at something, right? Before, like a stop, I look both ways before I cross the road, right? I stop, I look inward, figure out what's going on. And this inward look isn't something that we just do, but it's something that God must do in us. That basically our inward look, in all honesty, is not really you looking inward. The goal would be for God to be released to look inward upon us, and then what does he do? He puts his finger on the areas of growth. We look at Psalm chapter 139, right, verses 1 through 3, a very familiar scripture. David speaking, he's like the President of the United States to Israel, right, really powerful. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Ugh, just stop real quick. That the God of all the earth is actively searching the inward life of human beings. I mean, if, if you're humble at all, that should mess you up. To think that God would do this, right? You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You, whew, you are familiar with all my ways. You are familiar with all my ways. So what we get at then is the being change, this being transformation, this movement forward in our growth, it begins with the knowledge of Jesus knowing our full being, that he's searched us, that he's, he knows us, right? And so what happens is this, this is what we're longing for. He recognizes, he searches us, he recognizes our growth areas, then he comes to put his finger right here and convicts us of our need for growth our need for maturity, and he desires, listen, our intentional commitment to allow him or to ask him to shape and to mold us. Do you see what he does in that? He searches us. He knows us. We've invited him in because he's Lord of our life to put his finger on the issues and to name them. We're not looking at somebody else's issues. We're naming our own issues and looking at our issues. We're looking at them saying, God, your will be done in them. And then we partner with him and he begins to shape us and change us. So these indefinable qualities that he wants to grow inside of us begin to actively grow in us. Our growth, this is on the screen too, our growth is dependent upon our commitment to allow God to search our innermost being to share those, and then to share those growth areas with us. Like you have to be open. You have to be available. You have to be listening. Our growth is dependent upon our commitment to allow God to search our innermost being and to share those growth areas with us. Most of you are saying, that's not really that difficult, see, that's not super profound. Look, it's a little deeper, right? Whatever it may be. But one of the words we heard again and again and again in 2014, it was real simple, was this. We had a group of about 20 people who came on a, on a Saturday afternoon, some of our primary leaders, like the ones who were actively in the moment leading something at Vintage, and said, hey, you're actively leading something at Vintage. We want to ask you what's going on. And one of the things that came out, had a lengthy conversation about it, was this. 
We believe that there are some basic things that God wants to grow into us at Vintage. It's things that we probably have already heard and known, but we've kind of gone beyond them and forgotten them and we're not doing them. We need to return back to that so we can actually begin to relaunch again. I got another, someone just wrote me an email one day. She's like, see, I've been praying. This is what I'm hearing from the Lord very clearly for Vintage 2014. This is like the next day, return to the basics. I said, that must be Jesus, <laughs> right? That's how it works. That must be Jesus. So I'm like, this is the basic thing. I'll read it again. It takes an inward work in our hearts to change the outward expression. Our growth is dependent upon our commitment to allow God to search our innermost being, to share his growth areas with us. And then what do we do with those? We submit to his leadership. We submit to his leadership in our lives. Listen, a second ago you did this exercise that, that should be a natural part of your lives. I mean, literally, every day you should sit down with the Lord. How long did that take? I'll tell you, two and a half minutes. It wasn't very long. I mean, if you have like a voice memo on your phone, you literally could do it while you're driving to work every day. And just Siri, if you have an iPhone, right, you can just literally have her write it into your phone for you. You can take notes and send you an email, right? It's not real hard. So every day you're doing this. You're invited. Listen. You're inviting Jesus to search you. And when he searches you, he's, he's going to know you. And in his knowing, because he loves you, he's going to come and put his finger right here and say, this is the area I want you to grow into. I want to become so powerful, it's intoxicating for every person you work with. And they walk by your cubicle and go, oh, hey, what's going on? I don't know. What's going on with you, Right. I don't know. His whole conversation, why? Because there's something so, his indefinable quality is drawing people to Jesus, right? It's the real life about being who God created you to be. Shaping our lives, right? And we're not doing this in some selfish, self-centered way, but instead, we're trying to create an honesty of awareness, right? We're just being honest with ourselves. We're being honest in our awareness of who we are. How, 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 how honest are you with yourself? Like, I mean, honestly, like, do you ever sit down and talk about, like, tell yourself, well, I mean, you're not really good at this, and you really should grow, like, are you honest with yourself, or do you just think you're pretty much awesome all the time? Because if you think you're pretty much awesome all the time, I'm telling you, you're not. <laughs> I love you, right? But there's growth there, there's things God wants to do inside of you, we're all moving forward. Did you just hit killing something of growth areas? Yeah, exactly, right? So you this whole dynamic going down, there's growth areas, things we've got to grow into, and so, so I'll tell you this. On my list, I'm going to be honest with you, there's some growth areas, I'm going to be, there's some positives, right? There's some positives. Like I'm, I, there's some things I'm good at. There's things I'm better at than you are, right? God's like, this is beautiful peace. Let me tell you what I do. When I read these things on my list, I, don't not, I do not think, oh my gosh, I'm awesome, and I'm better than everybody else, right? I don't get this like self-centered part, right? Instead, as Paul said, I don't boast in myself, I boast in the Lord. Why? Because I am an only child. And by birthright, I'm allowed to be self-focused, self-absorbed, and selfish. Right? Let's be honest. I mean, anybody who knew me back when, I mean, they were like, my gosh, Steve's so about himself. And all you talk about is himself. And all that. He's the most selfish person. Like, literally, I think that probably happened. He's the most selfish person I've ever seen in my entire life. And so if I have anything positive on here, then it's not because of birth. It's obviously because of Jesus in my life. Because I can't produce anything positive in my own strength by birth. 
Literally. And I don't just say that because I suppose he was a pastor. I mean, I'm like, oh, Jesus. I'm reading my thing going, yeah, man, that's pretty, I, I am that. And I did not used to be. That's the, that's the fun part. I can look back on times when I was none of this. If any of you think that I'm kind to you, it's a work of God. Because people used to say I was mean. I'm a, I mean, I can just sit here and tell you stories about people I hurt, people I wounded, people I stepped on, trampled on. I had no idea in my selfishness I was doing it, right? I was blind in my selfishness, right? I've been saved, hallelujah, right? But this whole dynamic, anything positive is because of the work of Jesus. And that's a, I'm not just saying that. I mean, it's a true story. And so I look at this, and I'm like, God, there's been this work. So, so God, it's, a, it's something that you do. And so in my life, my submission to his leadership, when he searches me and knows me and does this, I submit to him, I commit to him, and we move forward. And in time, I find that he's grown this in me. I see this in Hebrews chapter 12, the chapter specifically dealing with, the, with their struggle, with the Hebrews' struggle with sin. It's in the context of talking about their struggle with sin. It says, if you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all of God. Moreover, we all have had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in an ongoing sense, as understood here, in order that we may share in his holiness. So what we see here is God, the first three lines here is this, searching, knowing, and doing this, disciplining us, right? And not disciplining us with us harsh like, you're awful, right? No, it's not that. It's putting his finger going, do mm, you see that? I see it too. I search and know all things, right? Oh, God, right? And so in that, I submit to the Father of our spirits, and then I live. That's, that's profound. I submit to the Father of our spirits, and I live in order that I may share in his holiness. That's what it is. I understood. Submit in order may share in his holiness. Those last few words of the verse. And then we said, remember last week we said, holiness is not something we just attain, right? The moment we give our lives to Jesus. It's something we grow into. Holiness, for those who don't know, it just means like being like Jesus. So think about the best picture you've ever think, thought about or heard about for Jesus. He's better than that, and that's what it means to be holy. Okay? And so this idea of holiness, I, you know, I, that, but here's the thing. Uh, this is the destination. This is your potential, right? And so what he's saying in Hebrews is, submit to the Father of our spirits and live in order that we may grow into ultimately the potential that's defined us in the holiness that marks only God. Submit in order that we may share in his holiness. So we have this beautiful picture of this, the work of the Father, right? He's searching us. He's knowing us. And here's the deal. He doesn't search us to tell us what he wants to do for the year. He searches us every day and says, hey, boom, this is what I want to do in you. This is what I want to do to make you intoxicate every other person who's around you and make them be drawn to the Jesus in you because you have a unique and powerful relationship with him. And it has to come from him. That's what I want to do in you. That's your potential. I put my finger. I build and grow your being. 
And so what is this discipline, right? What is this discipline? What can it look like? What are some of the things that happens? I want you to see this discipline, this finger put on the, on the chest expressed in a simple verse in Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2, right, verse 13, the first 12 verses, like the first four or five verses, you can read it, read it when you go home tonight, first four or five verses basically say, your ancestors did great in the beginning. And then your ancestors, a little bit after that, did really poorly. And now you are living in the fruit of their poorness. And that's where we are today, Right? There is a generational curse upon them, right? This happened, and it caused them to be separated from God. And so, he says this in verse 13. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Most of us have never seen a cistern, but a cistern is this big, thick, hollow place you, you, you cut out to put a liquid in. The easiest way for us to think about it is our gas at a gas station sits in a big old cistern, basically. Someone comes every day, fills it in. You don't just have, like, magical gas pipe, right? No. There's a cistern underneath the concrete. They fill it with gas. Our gas comes from it. There's a cistern under the concrete, okay? And so so Jesus is coming. Excuse me, the, the Jeremiah is coming and speaking this word, right? It says, they've forsaken me, and they've built their own cisterns, these things that hold water. So in this short verse... All in the context of the betrayal of God by his people, two specific sins mentioned by God, people have committed, and from these we can observe two things. Number one, people are thirsty. Number one, people are thirsty. People have committed two sins. They've forsaken the spring of living water and dug something else to drink from, basically what it's saying. People are thirsty. And number two, people are moving the wrong direction in response to their thirst. Right? They're moving in the wrong direction in response to their thirst. So in our being, again, who we are, most of us, we thirst to have our lives be defined by these positive, indefinable traits that we've been discussing, right? When you're looking at your card, you see some of those things you want to be, you want to grow into, whatever it may be, right? We thirst to have our lives be defined by these traits. I would love to be a person who's so intoxicating in the presence of Jesus that people want to be around me and they're just drawn to me and don't know why. I long for that with everything in me. And right, and in this, we always thirst for bigger, better, and more fulfilling it in the scripture. God is upset with a level of their thirst, because they are looking for satisfaction in something or someone other than him. So in their thirst to grow, and their thirst for maturity, their thirst for more, their thirst for bigger and better, right? God's saying, I'm the never-ending spring, and you're trying to build some lame cistern over here that can go dry when when it's hot. I'm the source. And our thirst... For indefinable qualities that can only be given to us by God. They can only be, be let, released into us because of, the, because of the, the potential of Jesus inside of us, right? We can't do it. We can't look to anywhere else other than Jesus himself. The second thing, you see, is our inward search. So often we highlight the areas of our being that need change. What do we do? We commit to work harder in our own strength to spend more time focusing on them and try to make it happen. And in one small sense, this is good. Why? Because we're, we're investing into improving our lives. But, but the sin that, that Jeremiah names here in chapter 2 highlights the issue we face. We have taken God out of the equation. We try to quench our own thirst. We dig our, listen, we dig our own wells of independence 
right? We build our own wells of independence rather than lean on God, rather than lean on the people that God has placed in our lives. We live in a world of self-maintenance, of self-help. We usually try to meet our own needs, right? Why? At the risk, because we don't want to run the risk of looking needy to someone, right? And in turn, we're just building our own cisterns rather than having our thirst quenched by the source of living water, a spring that never goes dry. And so in our lives, we're living in a place of self-maintenance, self-independence, and we've never invited God. We've never allowed him to search us. Like, we want him to come make us feel better, but we don't want him to search us and change us. We want him to come and, and, and help us in our moments of need, but we don't want him to search us and change us because we liken our self-maintenance who we've created ourselves to be. And that's why all of us are failing and flailing, and struggling, and anxious, and worried about so many things. Only one thing is required. Sit at the feet of Jesus. Submit to his leadership. Let him do this. And when he does, we don't let condemnation rain upon us. We just say, oh, this is the area you want to grow to make me intoxicating through your spirit in me. Okay. That's going to be hard. But let's do it, Jesus. I need you. I love in Titus, I think Titus, and Paul does a great job writing a letter to Titus and says this in chapter 2, verse 11. Let me just read the first four or five words, then stop. For the grace of God. Everyone stop. Grace of God. Now, grace is a really big word. And there's lots of ways to define it. But basically, in so many words, you can say this. The grace, grace is simply God's power, God's goodness, God's blessing released into the lives of those who've done nothing to earn it for the purpose of growing them and maturing them into who he wants them to be. Okay? So things that he gives us, we haven't earned to grow us. Okay? So it says, for the grace of God has appeared, hallelujah, that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to the ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Do you see that? He is coming and saying, Paul's writing, listen, I learned a long time ago. I can't do it. Right? I cannot create anything positive in my own life. I can't, I can't defeat sin. I can't defeat worldly passions. I can't live self-controlled or upright or godly. In this present age of my own strength, I lean on the grace of God. What is the grace of God? Let me tell you how it works, for, at least for me in my life. I sit down with my car. Let me tell you how we do this every week. I'm about to give you proactive steps, right? You got your card. You got something you write on. So every week I do this. I sit down before God. I got Titus in mind right here. And I sit down and go, oh, God. Literally, this is like an everyday prayer. I'm encouraging you. I'm giving you a proactive, basic step that's going to grow your spiritual life. And if you do it this week, every day, you will have taken a turn and a step towards the potential that God has for you. Are you ready for it? Don't get bored, please. We're almost done. You take something, you sit down with Jesus, and you say, God, I submit myself to your leadership. You are God, and I am not. Hallelujah, because I would mess it up. So God, search me. This is your prayer. I'm telling you, search me, O God, and know my ways. Put your finger on the things you want to grow. They may be green light, 
yellow light or red light things. If they're good things, God, you want to grow, fantastic. If they're things I'm really, really bad at, this definitely want to get good at those, right? Right? Some of you, only child like me, like, this, I want to grow this, God. So he puts his finger and I submit, right? And I say, God, yes, I commit then to move forward in praying. Listen, I want to pray into this. I'm going to share it with those people in my life who are closest to me, my spouse. For me, I'm going to share with my, my DNA accountability group and meet with every week and say, hey, guys, here are the things I want you to hold me accountable to. Why? Because I'm going to tell you something here, guys. You're going to grow a lot faster into your potential if there is community around you encouraging you and pressing you. Growth in isolation is 100 times slower than growth in community. People who can say to you, well, you know, yesterday you said that uh, you were trying to grow in humility. That was really arrogant what you just said. I just want to let you know because I love you. <laughs> right? That's a good friend. That's a good friend. Someone who's holding you accountable. Someone who's being honest with you. Someone who's speaking. So I submit to God and I submit to the people that God has placed into my life. Held accountable in those areas. And every day saying, God, grow me in these areas. Search me and know me. Because the reality is when you, when you got this card, there was like one or two things that immediately popped into your mind, things you should write down probably. You know who told you those things? Jesus. He spoke to you. Because the thing, because he's like, I'm finally you asked, <laughs> right? And so what I want you to do this morning, the worship team's going to go ahead and come forward. We're just going to take some time in worship again this morning. Take, take some time. For those of you who are new, we have a time of ministry every Sunday. We have ministry teams that are on each side over here, okay? We have communion available to you right here. We'll take communion. We have our offering baskets right here. We're going to take up the offering in a minute. In a minute. But when I get done, you have two things. You have two options. If you need to leave, you're more than welcome to go. We're just going back into worship. You guys have a great week, and we love you. But if you'd like to stay... You have time to stay. We're going to go into worship. And what I want to ask you to do in worship is simple. So I've just done this with you, the exercise. I've just given you some context behind it of why we're doing it and the inward being shift. So just do it again. Now just sit down. For those of you who have kids, you're like, praise God, I can just not get touched. And I can just not have some scream like, hey, mommy, mommy, mommy. And I can just focus on Jesus. you got 15, 20 minutes to focus on Jesus. Be still. Say, God, search me. Know me. Put your finger on these areas and God, let's grow. I want to be such an intoxicating person that when people know me and experience me, there's this unique, indefinable quality of my, my life that, that is this birth that is unusual and wonderful, not weird, unusual, but just so different and powerful and unique relationship with Christ. So let's do that this morning. Let's take some time and allow him to do this and to kind of take this next step in the journey of us stepping into our real life about being who God created us to be. All right. Well, let's respond as the Lord leads this morning. Don't forget, don't steal our pens. Put those things uh, back in the end. These are your chair, right? If you take those out, those cost money. Don't think, you yeah, my tithe paid for that. I can take it home with you. No. You leave.